0: Well, last Sunday, Brother Elam brought a message. I believe it's titled, Jesus is Coming Back. And when he gave the title, uh, it gave me a little bit of pause because I knew what the Lord had laid on my heart for this Sunday. But as I listened to the message, it was, an, it was a wonderful introduction to um, what I planned to bring this morning. He took us to Matthew 24. And he showed us very clearly that in the end times, deception will be rampant. And that we as believers need to hold steadfast to the word and endure till the end. There's no doubt that's what we're going to face. And what we are facing as a church today, deception is very real. Um, I was talking with a pastor here just a couple months ago. Here in the audience, he was a visiting pastor and um, was not from, a, from one of our churches. And we got to talking about their church. And I mentioned that I'd heard that their church had gone through some, was going through some, um, making some decisions contrary to the word. And I wonder where he was coming out on that. And his particular church that he is pastoring has pulled away. And he said, unfortunately, the greater church, the greater church body has decided to close the word. And to preach a social gospel. That's happening all around us. And by the way, that is an Anabaptist church, Anabaptist origins. Brother Elam brought out several current events that are pointing to Christ's return, events in nature, and, as I was saying, in the trend of the modern church. There's a lot of things pointing to the soon return of Christ. Jesus is coming back. Are you, am I ready? The message title this morning is, How Soon Will It Be? Now, we all know that um, what Mark thirteen thirty two says, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the father even jesus doesn't know when god is going to say son go bring your church home but we can look at signs and we can look at what's happening around us and say it's coming it's close for transparency one of you has suggested this that i bring this message title how soon will it be and thanks for that suggestion I'm always open for sermon suggestions, as I believe Jay and Elam are. You may be the avenue, th- avenue through which the Lord speaks to us. And so if you have something that you want us to, to speak about, it may not come this month, it may not come next month. But sometimes those thoughts, the sermons percolate a while, and then the Lord says, that's what I want you to bring. And that's sort of what happened here. So we don't know exactly when the Lord's going to return. But the Bible gives us a lot of indications, a lot of prophecy about what's going to happen. Like Brother Elam pointed out last Sunday, there were signs in nature. Um, It seems to me that nature is changing, storms are getting worse, Um, there are signs in politics we're getting closer and closer to a centralized one world currency and if that comes into play probably a one world government will soon follow there are signs in the church we realize deception is rampant and that many churches have closed the word and are preaching a social gospel our electrician was talking to him this week and he said that um there's more and more people showing up in their church because the churches that they're going to, that they went to, are suddenly talking about the issues that they're dealing with is whether they're going to go woke or not. Or um, social issues. That's the big thing of the day. They've quit preaching the word. They want truth. It's not just us that see it. There's many people that see it. So what should the true church be looking for what is going to happen next, and I believe we are getting very close to what a lot of people would call the rapture. Please understand, I am no professional or not very knowledgeable in eschatology, and I definitely am no authority on the subject. And if you believe different than something I say this morning, something I. Uh, talk about in the timing and order of events. Um, I'm not here to try to change your mind or to um, diminish your way of belief. The Bible, we're not there yet. So to say this is exactly how it's going to be would be a mistake. My goal this morning is to help us to realize that Christ's return is very near. And actually... As far as I know, and those that I've talked to about this, say the same thing. Scripturally, there's nothing that needs to happen before Christ returns. There's no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. There's no great world event that needs to transpire before what we would consider or call the rapture. I want to look at three different comparisons that would set... The rapture apart from the second coming of Christ. Depending on your view, some people would feel like basically the world is going to continue and Christ is going to return, great white throne judgment, and we'll all go to heaven or hell. But pretty much simple, straightforward. I want to look at three comparisons this morning, why I would feel like there's quite possibly a rapture. If there's only a white throne judgment, and Christ comes to earth and sets up his kingdom, there are several things that have to happen first before that happens. There has to be the mark of the beast. There has to be the false prophet. There has to be multiple prophecies have to be fulfilled. There has to be a thousand year reign of Christ, the millennium. Multiple prophecies have to be fulfilled if the second coming of Christ is, is just the final event. There's nothing between now and then. Tribulation period. We haven't faced those things yet. God's wrath has not been poured out on the earth. We haven't seen close to a third of the earth's population wiped out within a week or two or three. I'm not sure how long the time span will be. I'm sorry. I'm getting my my dates mixed up there. But there's a very short period of time in which it looks, according to, to Revelation, it'll be close to a third of the world's population killed. We haven't seen that. And I, for one, am pretty, I mean, the prophecies in the Bible that you see fulfilled are fulfilled literally. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on on a donkey's colt. They did not realize how it was going to be. They thought he was going to come as a conquering king. He came as a servant riding on a donkey. The prophecy was fulfilled literally. They did not know how it would happen. They didn't realize it when it did. Prophecies are very literal quite often. Not always, but quite often. And so, if there's only a second coming of Christ, there's still a good many things that have to happen. But I don't believe that that's all there is. I believe that the church is going to be taken out before then. We're going to be taken to heaven. And I want to look at three comparisons to bring out why I would say that. Let's turn to First Thessalonians 4. And I want to read verses 13 to 17. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 17. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Take note in verse 17 that we will meet the Lord in the air. Very clear. Now the word rapture is never used in the English Bible. But in the Latin Bible, the Latin Bible uses the verb here from which rapture comes from. So even in the English Bible, rapture is not used. The Latin Bible would would, um, use the basis for it there. Now, this is a quite different event from the one described in Zechariah 14, verses 3 to 9. Let's turn to Zechariah 14, verses 3 to 9 and read that event and see what he has to say about the end times. Zechariah 14, verses 3 to 9. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountains shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah the king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living water shall go out of... From Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. <clears throat> and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Here the saints meet the Lord, or we'll see the Lord standing on the earth. First time, the saints will meet in the air. Second time, when Jesus Christ's second coming, is going to be physically on earth. And this is going to physically happen. That's the way I see it. It's where it just looks like to me. And, it, and take note in verse 5, And ye shall flee, let's see, I'm sorry, at the very last, Like as ye fled from the day of, fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. The saints are already going to be in heaven with God when he, when he comes back to earth. So that's the first comparison. Now let's go to the second comparison, 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll read verses 50 to 53. First Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 53. <clears throat> Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. This gives us a picture of the church being called home. And there's no suggestion in these verses of judgment of the ungodly. It's just Trump's going to sound and church going to be gone in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I don't know if you understand what the twinkling of an eye is. But it's just that quick. I experienced it one time. I was running a table saw. Typical day. Pushing that board through. Damn. What was that? And I looked down. Part of my finger was gone. Two of my fingers were dangling. Twinkling of an eye. Didn't even hurt until a couple minutes later. It happened, and I didn't even know what happened, even though it happened to me. And that finger was gone, never to be put back on. Instantly. When that trump sounds, and many would feel like when that trumpet sounds, we as Christians are going to be the only ones that hear it. And we're going to be gone. Are we ready? This is not something to fear. This is something I hope happens because I do not want to be here when the tribulation comes. I do not want to be here when those vials of wrath are poured out on the earth. And I believe God's telling us we're going to be gone. All right. Um, Okay, now let's go to the comparison. So we have that happening in the twinkling of an eye. Let's go to Revelation 19, verses 11 to 21. So we realize that's going to be quick. The twinkling of an eye. Revelation 19. Let's see what happens here. This is is the very clear description of Jesus' second coming to earth. Revelation 19, verses 11 to 21. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of the horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great." And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. This is not a twinkling of an eye. This is an enormous world event. Nations gathering to fight against Almighty God. This has time for birds to feast on the ones that are killed. See two different happenings here. All right, the third comparison, let's go to John 14:3. John 14 verse3. <clears throat> I'd love to read more of some of these but we're going to run out of time John 14 3 and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also <clears throat> so that pictures us going to heaven so let's go right back to what we read in Revelation 19 I'll read verses, verse 11 and then verses 20 and 21 Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and it sat upon him, was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. So in John 14, verse 3, it's a peaceful, joyous time. We're going home. In 1911, there's not much peace and joy in in this meeting. verses 20 and 21, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh." One's a peaceful, joyous time, and one's a time of terror and judgment. I don't think they're happening at the same time. There's three comparisons that make me believe that there's going to be a rapture. Now, if you don't believe that way, I'm not trying to persuade you differently. But I want you to understand that because the imminence is very real. It can happen any time. Now, we all know that we could walk out of here and get hit on the road and die. But for some reason, that doesn't seem as real to us as the fact, because we've lived this long, what's the chances of us dying tomorrow? But what about the other side? What about a rapture? What about the church being called home? That's another very real thing. could happen. So we've looked at some of the reasons I believe the church will be called home in an event that we call the rapture. And the rapture is completely different from the second coming of Christ. And there's much more that we could be talked talk about and be brought out on that subject. So That's a very basic, um, some very basic reasons for what I believe. So the next question that comes is, when does the rapture occur? Let's go to Revelation three verses fourteen to twenty-two, and this is a this is the um, this is the um, letter to the church of Laodicea. Revelation 3, verses 14 to 22, and many people would feel like quite possibly the letters to the, different, the seven churches were written to seven different church ages, times. And this one, being the last, would refer to the church right before Christ returns for us, right before the rapture. Well, let's read it, see what we think. Revelation 3, verses 14 to 22. And the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, I'm sorry, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Does that not describe the church today? Kind of just lukewarm. It's not all over the world. There's a lot of the church across the world that is, very much on fire for the Lord but the church in America this describes it pretty well and Jesus said it's disgusting to him he wants us to be on fire for the Lord now as we see that 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 letter being so applicable to the modern day church think about this as you read through Revelation Revelation That's the final, um, that's the last time the church is mentioned until the very end, until Revelation 22, verse 16. So from the end of Revelation 3 until Revelation 22, verse 16, the church is not mentioned. And that's your whole list of where we get, that's the whole row of prophecy in there. What's going to happen? Church isn't mentioned. Why? I wonder if it's not because we're gone between the rapture and the white throne judgment there's no mention of the church in, in, in Revelation. And so this period between the rapture and the white throne judgment I look at that as I've studied it I see basically three periods during that time and I want to look at that just briefly we could spend hours looking at this and talking about it but This is all future. So the first period is what we would call the tribulation. And as I understand it, it seems to be the seven years directly following the rapture. Um, It's a time of God's wrath being poured out on the earth for the sins of man. And during this time, according to some calculations, like I said earlier, somewhere between a quarter and a third of the earth's population will be wiped out by the different plagues that the angels pour out on the earth. And these plagues are referred to as the vials of God's wrath. Another reason I believe the church won't be here is because God never has poured out his wrath on his children. He's led them into captivity. But as far as pouring out his wrath, it is on wicked men. He doesn't pour his wrath out on his children. The second period, we see Satan being bound and Christ reigning on earth for a thousand years. The millennial reign of Christ. Third period is when Satan's loosed and he goes about the earth and gathers up all the nations to try to take out Christ here on earth. Christ is reigning here on earth, but he gathers up people to to come against Christ and tries to, to fight against him. And that's where we have the great white throne judgment and sin is done away with. And I believe when Christ does away with sin... You think back to the Garden of Eden when it was perfect. There was no sin to mar that relationship. There was no deception before uh, Adam and Eve fell. Didn't Christ, or didn't God create basically heaven on earth? It says that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be no sea in the new earth. I believe it will look basically like the Garden of Eden did. Basically what we found, what Adam and Eve were experiencing there. But the whole church will be there to enjoy God's presence, not just one man and one woman. But for the true church today, as I list those three periods, we don't have any reason to worry about tribulation. And I personally don't think we need to worry about the mark of the beast we're following christ i believe we'll be gone before those things come to pass now i think we need to study it i think we need to know what's coming understand it but even if the church is here we're talking about the mark of the beast even if the church is here i want you as a congregation to understand you don't need to worry about accidentally taking the mark of the beast Scripture's clear. We're going to know what it is. It will be a choice to follow the beast or to follow Christ. It's not going to be a question. We don't need to worry about accidentally taking the mark of the beast. Mark it down. God doesn't let that kind of thing happen without us intentionally choosing to walk away from him and choose something other than him. So, when will these things be? When will the rapture occur? Well, the Bible gives us several things that need to be in place before the rapture, for the rapture to, ha- to happen. Let's take a look. First, Israel needs to be back in their own country. Isaiah 11. Let's, let's look at three verses in Isaiah 11. I'm sorry I'm taking you all over scripture this morning. Um, that's a little bit the way eschatology is. You, you pick up prophecies here and there and put them together and realize what they're trying to say. Isaiah 11, verses 11 and 12 and verse 14. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea... And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And verse 14. But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west. They shall spoil them of the east together. They shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab and the children of Ammon shall obey them. So here we get a picture of Israel back in control of, of Israel. The Jews back living and in control of their own country. 1948, the country of Israel said, or, um, declared independence against unbelievable odds. You, if you study history during that time, it, was, it doesn't even make sense that Israel remained a nation except for God making it happen. Some would take the prophecy of the fig tree um, bringing forth a leaf. and You see that sign, you know, the end is near and that that generation will not pass away. If that is literal, and I'm not here to say whether it is or not, the generation that was born in 1948 is still here. That generation is slowly passing off the scene. My mother was born in 1948. She's still with us. And it says that generation will not pass before the rapture, before these things start to happen. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what that means. I know some people have thrown that out there. But the Jews are in their own country. They'll come from the four corners of the earth. And as you study what, if you look into what happened after, they, after Israel became a nation... They came from around the world, poured back into Israel, and have been ever since. In fact, in the last 10 years, they've averaged 26,000 Jews per year moving back into Jerusalem, or back into Israel, I should say, migrating back. And there's years it's been sixty and 70,000. And I thought the verse, uh, verse 14, that should fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines, many nations... Supplied them with airlines, bringing them back in. I don't know if that's what that prophecy meant or not, but I wonder. So, and uh, so we've seen or seeing this prophecy being fulfilled right now, and the millennial reign of Christ is talked about in the same prophecy. He says in verse eleven, "In that day, or you might." Say, starting that day, verse. 11, let me read that again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. The first part of chapter 11 talked about the millennial reign of Christ. The things, how the earth will be during that time. And it says in that day, or to, basically to start that day, you're going to see Israel back in their home country. So that, number one, Israel in their home country, they're there. Number two, Jews in control of Jerusalem. Let's look look at Luke 21 verse 24. Luke 21 verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the gentiles until the times of the gentiles be fulfilled. That last little phrase until the times of the gentiles be fulfilled. That's a prophecy. The Jews are back in control of Jerusalem, not 100% yet. They're still part of Jerusalem the Jews are not in control of. Time of the Gentiles is rapidly coming to an end. The next thing is the gospel will be preached around the world. Brother Elam talked about this last Sunday. Matthew 24, 14 says it. We are very nearly there. The gospel is going to be preached to all all groups of people, with, with Wycliffe translators, all nations Bible translators, and I'm sure there's others, with the ease of the Internet, the information being passed around the world, the Bible's there in just about every language. That's the third thing needs to happen. Or we're there. Daniel 12, verse 4 says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Google was, was, was basically started to gather knowledge. Does this, not, does this verse in Daniel not described today. We go all over the place all the time. In fact, to the point most of us complain about how much we're going, how many miles we put on. We especially think of it now with gas prices. We're going and knowledge is increased. There's not a thing you you want to know about. You can't hop on the internet and find something out about it. I believe that describes today the state of mankind. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 3 Verses 1 to 5. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And verse 5 is what's shocking. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This is the church. This is not talking about what's happening in the world. Having a form of godliness, endeavoring to look godly, and doing all this list of things. Is that not a description of today? Today? So-called godly people will live very ungodly lives. That's the description of of the church today as we look around. One more is denial of signs. Let's turn to 2 Peter 3, verses 3 to 4. 2 Peter 3, verses 3 to 4. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from, from the beginning of the creation. A attitude of complacency. Nothing's going to change. We see that around us. So we see that the world is pretty much the way God said it would be before end-time events begin to occur. There isn't really anything that I know of in Scripture that would keep the rapture from happening. In fact, it seems... I see things lining up very well for the rapture. Think about the mark of the beast. I just talked about that a little bit ago. As you think about the mark of the beast, it says, the Bible's clear, it'll be in the hand or in the forehead, a mark that you have to have to buy, sell, or trade. As I see it, it sounds like digital currency to me. Or some sort of digital, digital currency is the only way that you can enforce that type of a, of a system. Now, as I said, we don't need to worry about the mark of the beast. But I do believe that digital currency is leading us closer and closer to that reality. I remember years ago when the when the uh, barcode came out it's oh, the mark of the beast credit card came out, it's the mark of the beast you know what, digital currency is the next step yes, it was starting yes credit card, the chip, all these things are, are, are leading up to a digital currency that can be controlled so easily used as a mark of the beast now you know what's a real shocker And maybe you all know this President Biden just put out an executive order to the Fed and Central Bank to explore creating a Central Bank Digital Currency or CBDC. Many countries have already developed their own digital currencies. It sounds like the U.S. is not far behind. In my mind, this is simply paving the way for the market beast. Now, should we be trembling in our boots? No. I say, praise the Lord, we see it happening. We do not need to fear as a church. From what we've seen today, the church will be called home before all the hard times talked about in end time prophecies. And if not, we're called to be faithful. I could be wrong about how I read, um, how I understand prophecy. I'm not saying that I'm the final word on this, but this is telling you what I see. But I do know that the return of Christ is near. And the call for us is to remain faithful, not be deceived. Now, children, I know there's a lot of you here this morning, and I know that talking about end time prophecy is scary, but I want you to understand something. You are safe. Children should not get worried when they hear about end times coming and, and these all these bad things that are gonna happen in the end times, the plagues and all yes, those are a reality, but you do not need to worry. You are safe and you do not need to fear. When God calls to you as a child, when you get to the age where God calls you, it's called the age of accountability, when God calls you, you will know. You will not doubt that God is calling you. At that point, you will make a decision, I'm going to follow God or I'm not going to follow God. Only then do you need to worry about whether you're lost or not. Until God calls you, you are safe and you don't need to fear. Until we have rejected God, children are His. And I want that to be set in your minds. You're His until you reject Him. Until we've heard His call and rejected that call. Now, maybe there is someone here this morning that has rejected God's call. And you know it. If you know that you rejected God's call, you are on dangerous ground this morning. Don't take that chance. We are not promised another opportunity. God, that trumpet could sound anytime. Maybe tomorrow. Are we ready? And I know there's been books about you know, the Left Behind series and all that written. And we could get into that, the, all the drama of all that. But in reality, if what we talk about this morning is real, and all the Christians, the church is instantly taken out of the world, look at the moral standard that has been removed in an instant from the entire world. There is nothing left to hold evil at bay except God. The influence of Christianity is gone. I do not want to be here. Let's be faithful and ready to go when the Lord calls and when that trumpet sounds. Let's have a song.